Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Oh man. Okay, are y'all ready to get into the Word and, and talk about some really exciting stuff? So let me tell you what's going on today, okay? So today what I want to do is, because we're kind of tying in uh, the tabernacles, but really kind of giving you a big picture of these feasts and how it relates to the return of Christ and the apocalypse, okay? And so today what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some, like an introductory outline, okay? And then in October, the first Sunday in October, I'm kicking off a series called The Apocalypse, Okay, I have four messages. I got a whole Q&A. Uh, <clears throat> I got a whole Q&A session. And also on our website or, and on our app, you can go and submit your questions on the end times. So I'm gonna say some things today that need qualifying. I'm gonna say some things today that are gonna, you know, it, this, is, this is just to get you going, all right? Here's another thing about the end times, okay, that you need to understand when we unpack Revelation and Daniel and all these different things. You need to understand that messianic prophecy, everybody say messianic prophecy, okay? It is intentionally cryptic to a great degree, okay? God put it in cryptic or hid a lot of the revelation of it on purpose because if it was out in the wide open in the Bible, intelligent evil could take advantage of it, okay? This is, a, remember what the Bible said, that if Satan had really known the whole picture of what he was doing in crucifying our Lord Jesus, what? He would have never done it. So now post Jesus coming and rising from the dead, we can look back and say, oh yeah, that was that, and that was that, and that was that, and that was that. But God intentionally left some of it cryptic because he didn't want Satan and intelligent evil to see the big picture. However, come on, we have the Holy Spirit. Yeah? And here's the other thing that you need to know about uh, revelation or the apocalypse. And here's what I'll talk about in October. The very word apocalypse, it means the unveiling. It's like God pulling back the covers to see more and more and more of a big picture. And so when we come in to the revelation, the apocalypse, the unveiling, the closer that we get to that time, guess what? God will begin to reveal to us more and more and more to help prepare us, okay? So that's very important. So I'm gonna show you big picture, get us started where I am now. I invite you for the next two weeks. In fact, I'll have a whole nother 10 point outline with scriptures online that you can go study. Get your questions and we will answer them. I want everybody coming out of this series really grounded, really prepared and understanding understanding this, why it's so important. I used to believe, this is another thing that I used to say, you know, well, yeah, we, we need to have a general understanding of that stuff, but, you know, it's really not important. We just need to be ready. That's kind of like saying this. It's kind of like saying, um, you know, the, the, for the Jaguars, who are we playing? The, the tight, are we taking them down? 
especially because their name is Titans. That's the Nephilim giants. They're going down. So anyway, <laughs> so anyway, what, what if I said something that's, you know, the, the, the Jaguars, they really don't need to practice this week. They just need to be ready for the game Sunday. Well, isn't kind of the way that they're ready for the game Sunday by practicing? Yeah. So that's what these biblical feasts and some of these things are designed to do. They're designed to, to give us practice, to give us awareness, to keep our mind on eternity, to understand that the way things are now aren't the way things are always gonna be. So here's the thing. I invite you to have fun with this. I'm gonna show you where I am now. It's not where I used to be on eschatology, but you have to understand that no one sees the big picture what I will present to you though, and who I talk to and study, I talked to two of them on the phone for a long, long time this week, are Hebrew scholars, both Christian Hebrew scholars, Messianic Hebrew scholars, I, that's where I am. I go back to the original Hebrew with these scholars that understand the big picture context and the meta-narrative. And a lot of times what happens when people get into eschatology is they, they take all different types of fragments without having the big picture context and the historical patterns. Or they take language in the English and it, they just kind of misapply it because Hebrew and English are very different languages. You know how many words are in the Hebrew language? Like 3,000 something. You know how many words are in the English language? Over 4 million. How many of you know that could lend to, that's why we have a zillion translations now, it can just lend to, watch, are they all accurate? Yes, but some are much more accurate than others. Or can, are they all the Word of God? God can breathe on all of it. He does breathe on all Yes, but the original Hebrew context or the original Aramaic and the Greek, that's what we go back to, okay? So watch this. Did the Jaguars beat the Patriots? Is that a true statement? Did they whoop the Patriots? Is that a true statement? What was the final score of that game? 31-20. So watch, is the Jaguars beat the Patriots, is that true? Jaguars beat the Patriots soundly, is that true? The Jaguars beat the Patriots 31-20 to and our quarterback had a great game, is that true? But is that last statement also much more accurate? Yeah, all true, different degrees of detailed accuracy. Everybody with me on that, okay? So let's pray. I'm gonna give you a bunch of scriptures. We're gonna define some terms and uh, it's gonna be awesome, all right? Here we go. Father, we love you. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, for these feasts. I thank you that we are your church. We are your bride. And Lord, I thank you by the end of this series, what this is going to produce in us and we're gonna see why this is so important in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay, let me show you the fulfillment of Feast of Tabernacles. As I said, we're on our way there. Okay, so this is after Christ's millennial reign, okay? After Christ's thousand-year millennial reign. Some of you are like, what's that? We're gonna to get to it. I wanna take you to the scripture right here, and we're working our way backwards, <laughs> okay? Can I show you the end? It, come on, this is, look, look, I need you to see the end so you don't get all 
Freaked out with all this other stuff. Put the scripture up there. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Very important for you to understand that this earth will always remain. It will be renovated by fire and it will be a new heaven and a new earth, but it's not like this one's getting destroyed. Okay, think of your body. You have a body, then you're gonna have a resurrected body, huh? A glorified body. Okay, so remember that. So this is the renovated earth through fire, the heavens as well. This is after the thousand your reign of Christ, okay? It says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Come on, guys. Hate to tell you, no more saltwater fishing. It says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. I love this. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, here's tabernacles. Behold, the dwelling place or the tabernacle of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Come on, can you give God a big, big hand for that? There's the end. So now what we're gonna do in this series is we're, we're gonna backtrack and wind right back up here at the end. Is that good? Okay, put up the biblical feast chart real quick we've been talking about. Let me go back to the biblical holidays that, we, <laughs> that Jesus obviously kick-started back on Passover night. So we see the spring holidays, Passover, First Fruits, Pentecost, okay? So in Gentile language, uh, and a lot of times they, they align, it's, that's, uh, that's Good Friday, that's Easter, and then of course, Pentecost, okay? We see that, look, Jesus fulfilled those spring feasts, right? He fulfilled those. He came, he died, he rose from the grave, the Holy Spirit came. All of that, as you see there, took a little bit over 50 days, are you following me? Okay? But now these fall feasts, there's the Feast of Trumpets, there's the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and then there's Tabernacles. That's what we're kicking off today in the biblical patterns. Does everybody see that? These fall holidays have not been fully fulfilled. And I wanna point out now the Day of Atonement as far as Christ's atoning sacrifice was fulfilled, but the Day of Atonement when Jesus comes back to judge, that part hasn't been fulfilled. That will be fulfilled when he returns, okay? We've talked about tabernacles. Does everybody see that feast there, the Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah? One of the biggest main feasts of all the biblical feasts, there is no, no, shadow, no fulfillment whatsoever of this huge main feast. Are you following me? And these are God, uh, God's appointed times. I want you to remember that. Everybody say trumpet. That's Rosh Hashanah, trumpet, okay? Now, before we unpack this, can I give you some definitions? And a couple of them might be different from what you've heard before, okay? I wanna give you these definitions for the tribulation, the day of the Lord, and the rapture. Put the tribulation up there. Most of you heard about the tribulation. 
bunch of movies out there. Or, you know, if you've been in church, you've heard about it. This is very important. Does everybody see the three and a half year? Not seven years, three and a half years. The three and a half year, 1260 day period of time at the end of this age before Christ's millennial reign where there will be unparalleled distress, oppression, persecution, and hardship. Now let me tell you what you might've heard before. You might've heard that there is a seven year tribulation period. There is no scripture in the Bible that links seven years directly to the tribulation, okay? Where that comes out of, and I will show you this in October, and there is prophetic meaning to it. Where it comes out of is Daniel chapter nine, where they talk about these two, three and a half year increments of all the stuff going on that was literally fulfilled in 70 AD by one of the Caesars and the destruction of the temple. But scholars have taken that, in my opinion, fragmented it somewhat, okay, and just kind of applied this seven-year period to the tribulation, okay? It's, there's just no scriptural link to seven years in the tribulation. Where there is a strong scriptural link is three and a half years, or what they would look at as, as the last three and a half years of that seven-year period. Now, here's why it's important to, to understand that the tribulation that Jesus is talking about, when we're about to read this in the scriptures, this is the last three and a half years, okay? And this is also important to understand. Hardship, hostility towards the church, famine, persecution, whatever else, that could be 20 years before this last three and a half year period. Let me help everybody out. Do you understand if I went to the Sudan and told them that, hey, famine's coming. What, yeah, we've been in that for a hundred years. What's new? Do you see what I'm saying? If I went to one of these countries where a massive tsunami hit and wiped out thousands and thousands of people and I said, man, there's gonna be but, you know, tidal waves and stuff. They're like, have you been watching the news? If I went to parts of the world where Christians uh, are, are, are persecuted or put to death or thrown in jail, and I said, you know, a time's coming when the church could be persecuted. Do you see? If you went to, 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 to Hiroshima and Nagasaki and said, man, there's a time when the earth could be scorched. Do you see, we have to get out of this Western, isolated, disconnected, fragmented mindset. None of those things, watch, none of those things are what would, we would be the direct wrath of God. Jesus said in this world, guess what? You will have persecution. You will have tribulation. Ask all the Christians that were put to death in the Inquisition. Ask all the people that died in, in, in Europe from the plague. Go back then and say, man, I heard there's this gonna be this bad time with, with pestilence coming. They'd be like, and plagues, you'd be like, they'd be like, have you noticed like 80% of our population got wiped out? So I'm trying to help everyone understand that many times when we look in the, watch, we look in the book of Revelations or we look at these things, what Jesus said, and we look at those kind of things and we said, oh, that's the wrath of God. And we're not appointed under wrath, we're appointed under salvation. 
So any of this distress, any of these stuff going on, God's just gonna take us out of this. No, that's not wrath. I'll show you the wrath of God in the bowls of wrath. And yes, does God want to take us out or protect us? Come on, the Lord knows how to reserve the righteous and withhold the others to the day of judgment. Did God know how to protect Israel during the plagues of Egypt when they were in Goshen and absolutely nothing happened to them while all that was going on in Egypt? Did God know how to even, oh, 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 crazy Lot. Did Lot was in That was tribulation. That was a crazy time in Sodom. He was being persecuted, but when it came time for wrath, the angels went in there and said, come on, Lot, you better get it going. It's about to happen right here. We're bringing you out of this. Do you see? But his wife looked back. It's a whole nother message. Where's your loyalty? Okay, now I got scriptures there. Look at your neighbor and say, he's going somewhere. Tell him it's gonna be exciting. The day of the Lord, you ready? The day of the Lord, it's a two-fold event. Everybody say two-fold. A two-fold event of the return of our Lord Jesus for and, everybody say for, and with his saints to save Israel, judge the world, and establish his millennial reign. This is very, very important because the first part of that is the next thing, which is the rapture. Okay, that's the word that we use for the catching away, the gathering together in the air. Is everybody following me? So watch this. It says, this is the first part of the twofold event when the dead in Christ and all the saints who have died before are resurrected, receive their glorified bodies, and are caught up in the air to be with our Lord. The followers of Jesus who are alive will have their bodies transformed. Come on, how about this? How about this P90X? How about this? How about this change? Come on, man, I just need my heart just to just keep just ticking barely just till I get to this moment if we're even here when this happens. Okay, look, in the twinkling of an eye to a glorified state and be called up to the Lord as well with them, okay? And there's some scriptures there. I'm gonna give you a lot more scriptures as we get out into into this series in October. Okay, so so here's here's my questions to you. I'm gonna give you two questions. I wanna show the biblical feast chart again. I'm gonna give you two questions. We'll answer them. That'll be the outline, okay? And then we'll pray and you will be armed and ready to have a template to work off of for questions and, and um, invite people to that series in October. We have, we have Pastor Keith Pittman here is, is, is here this coming Sunday. He's gonna preach the house down, and then the first Sunday in October, I'll kick off the, the Apocalypse series. Come on, and I'll wrap it up on Halloween. Wednesday night is a Halloween night. We're going head on. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach against trick or, you, Being a witness, just be a witness. Get out there. 
Get out there. And if you're going to do Halloween, don't be giving them none of your, your health kale snacks. Give those kids some candy. All right? That's a bad witness. Christians are giving everybody kale snacks. The chart I had before, the regular that shows all the biblical feasts, I just want to present. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? The spring holidays, were all those fulfilled on the same year? It's not a trick question. Did Jesus die for our sins and rose from the grave? Did that happen on the same year? Yes, in like three days, okay? Pentecost, did that happen five or seven or 10 years later? It happened when? On the same day. This is very important when you're trying to establish context in interpreting scripture, watch. You wanna be consistent. It doesn't mean that it's gonna be the absolute right view but you need to have a consistent view or else what could happen is you could end up doing what I call theological gymnastics. You have a belief that doesn't doesn't have a, a narrative, a consistency, so it doesn't have any anchor. You follow me? And so you just kind of end up having to pull this one and this, and well, I think this numerology, and, and, and you get into these things. So watch, I'm, this is definitely not the most popular, but I will say I believe this is the most consistent. If we're letting the text be the text and trying to provide an outline for understanding eschatology, the study of the end time events, okay? Did all those happen on the same year? So now let's go over here. Trumpets, day of judgment, Tabernacles, okay? Is it consistent or inconsistent for all of these to happen on the same year? It's consistent. If I broke these up and this is gonna happen this many years after that or this happened that many years after that, would we be being consistent or inconsistent? Inconsistent. If I said, like the Bible says, these are God's appointed times, that there's a pattern to these things. So, you know, we, we don't know this, but if we're gonna be consistent, what? If we're gonna be consistent, then our first filter needs to be these appointed times for Jesus to fulfill these fall feasts are gonna happen in a similar pattern as they did in the spring, the early rain and the latter rain, okay? So that means that all of these would happen right around the same time. Watch. If you understand the difference between tribulation, wrath, and what leads up to that moment, this is a very cohesive, you can slot all the things that you see in Scripture. If you don't understand what the tribulation it really is, if you get wrath mixed up as starting, you know, right at the beginning of the three and a half years or different things like that, then, then it's gonna, it, you're gonna get fragmented with that, okay? So let's go to Matthew 24, verse one through 14. This is great. Let's, let's, let's 
inject ourselves into this story. Y'all ready to go sit with Jesus? Who's ready to sit with Jesus and the disciples? Okay. Okay. Now, you might say this, well, Jesus is talking to the disciples, so this could just be Jewish and, and da, da, da. Remember, remember, as we head toward the end times, the two are becoming one. There's the fullness of the Gentiles. There's the turning of Israel unto salvation. I'll get into all this in October, okay? So when you're talking about the end times, you can't do that kind of, or you shouldn't do that kind of separation stuff. Now, look, Jesus said the temple and was going away, but his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them and said, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And that was fulfilled in 70 AD that Daniel, Daniel prophecy is so awesome. You could have figured out the day Jesus was gonna be born. You could have figured out the year that Jesus was gonna die. He prophesied this literal fulfillment right here. We'll get into that in October. Do y'all like this? Is this, do y'all, this, I'm telling you, you're gonna get grounded, okay? So look, it says he sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, look, look, they're doing what we're doing. Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign, look, of your coming and of the end of the age? So they basically ask him two questions concerning the end times. When will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? I think that if these are in the Bible and they asked them and Jesus took the time of, to answer them, then I think that it matters and it's important and we should ask the same questions and that to the degree that Jesus is allowing revelation, come on, he'll give us that. Do you believe that today? Okay, so look, keep going. It says, for many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ, and they will lead many astray, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will not rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Isn't that just all going on today? Right? So he's leading up to this moment. He says, all these things are but the beginning of birth pains, okay? Now, he says, then... They will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. So he's talking about there's gonna be persecution. There's gonna be oppression. He says, and false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because, of lawless, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Look, and the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. In other words, when all this is going on, I want you to key in on verse 14 right here. The gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Listen. We are Jesus' witnesses. The church is Jesus' witnesses. We are his witnesses. That is never going to change, regardless of what God chooses to deliver us out of or to rescue us out of. Here's what I wanna say to us, church. Listen, 
We are called to be his witnesses and we are called to overcome. If you wanna know the truth about who we are in Christ, we were born for adversity. We were born for tribulation because this world we have tribulation, but in Jesus we have peace. In Jesus we have power. It's in these times of hardship and things like that, that's where the church shines. And don't make the mistake of applying what's happening in this world to what's gonna be happening when we get into the end of times because it will be very different. And I will show you this. The restrainer will be removed. Heaven and earth will be colliding. The veil will be very thin, if it any. It will be angels everywhere. There will be all kind of power. There'll be witnesses calling down fire from heaven. The, the, the servants of Jesus at that time, I believe that they will fulfill what Jesus said when he said, greater work shall ye do than these. I believe that the church will be the church in its fullest form. I believe that the church will be able to do the signs and the wonders. I think we look at those two witnesses, they're just in Jerusalem. Where's all the other witnesses? Where's all the other witnesses doing miracles, walking in the protection of God, allowing, uh, 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 being the witness to, for, 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 for people to come to Jesus before the wrath of God is poured out on the world? Why is this important? Because whether the Lord comes uh, in, in a few years or in a few hundred years, we have to install something in our kids and in our grandkids that we don't shriek back from adversity and we're not in some kind of escapist. We don't run from pain. We process it through the power of Jesus. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? So watch this. Let's answer these two questions. And then we'll close. When will these things be? Go to 2 Thessalonians. No, 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 no. When will these things be? Go to Matthew 24. Then will appear the sign. Everybody say the sign. Have you seen this? The sign of the Son of Man. It's all over scripture. I'll get you more. Sign of the Son of Man. And look, all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now look, and he will send out his angels with a loud what? What is Rosh Hashanah called? Feast of Trumpets. If you go into 1 Corinthians 15, when it talks about the rapture, you know when it is? At the sound of the last trumpet. We're about to look at Revelation. Do you know when God says the mystery has been fulfilled, that's the fullness of the Gentiles, Ephesians 3, and that the kingdoms of this world are now the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ at the last trumpet. The last trumpet opens up the beginning of the bowls of wrath. Everywhere that you look in scripture, the rapture and the first part of the coming of the Lord is connected to the trumpet. So if we're gonna be consistent, Yes, and there's no fulfillment of Rosh Hashanah yet. What does that mean? That means that that is the appointed time for Jesus to return. You might be saying this, well, Stovall, no one knows the day or the hour. Do you know that that saying, if you were a first century Jew or Jew in, at all, do you know that that saying is actually 
what the Jews and rabbis taught and practiced about Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets. That is the, it operates according to the lunar cycle and it was the one feast that they couldn't predict the exact day or hour when it started. That's why they would give a, a 48 to 72 hour window when the moon, whatever it is, whatever lunar cycle, and then guess what? The rabbis would go to a hill or on top of a roof. It was a 48 to 72 hour window and they would have to wait for these three, I don't know what constellation it was, three stars to appear. Sometimes it would happen right at the beginning. Sometimes it would happen at the end. And they'd see one, two, when the third star appeared, guess what? They pick up that trumpet and they would blow this loud blast and that began the feast of trumpets. So watch this. That's when Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour. Those disciples were like, yeah, just like Rosh Hashanah, just like the feast of trumpets. We don't know exactly when that trumpet is gonna go, but we know the season. We know the appointed time. I'll say for us, we not only don't know the exact day, we not, even if it's the feast of trumpets, we still don't know the exact day. We still don't know the exact hour. We don't even know the exact year. It could be any time from now to or, or hundreds of years. We, we, do, do you see what I'm saying? So watch this. God is not deceptive. It's very important to remember that. He's not, hey, let me trick. Let me, no, these are his appointed times. So if we're gonna be consistent, we have to look at the trumpet that way. Does everybody follow me? If you wanna look at it a different way, you can, but you won't be consistent. You, you can say, well, I just believe that, you know, whatever. You cannot remove the trumpet element from the return. All right, are you with me? Matthew 24, wait, 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 keep that up there, look. Look what happens at the trumpet. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. Look at this. They will gather his elect from the four winds. Look, from one end of where? Heaven to another. So in the rapture, does it say that we go up into the clouds? Yes. Is it all over the world? Yes. So wouldn't the angels have to go all over heaven to bring us into this one? Gathering with Jesus? Yes. And if the whole world saw that, what would it cause them to do? Mourn. Oh, no. We've always had this idea that the rapture was gonna be like, whoa, where'd all the Christians go? It's the sign of the Son of Man. What is gonna be the sign of your coming? The sign of his coming is the rapture that causes the, those who have rejected Christ to mourn. We're on the losing side. We're on the wrong side of judgment. And it causes Israel to look up and say, it was Jesus all along. We better turn. If it happened on the Feast of Trumpets, what do we know? That's 10 days before the day of the Lord. 
It's the 10 days of awe. Yeah, 10 days of shock and awe is what it's gonna be. And that's when Israel, I'll show this to you. That's when Israel is gonna begin their corporate turning. Oh my, well, that's the one. It was Jesus. Are you following me? So watch this. Next one. I got five minutes. No, I don't. I got 10. Yeah, 1040. Oh yeah, y'all just don't even think about leaving. Okay, so watch this. Let me give you another. I have a bunch of script. We just don't have time. They'll all get, I'll get them to you in the notes and all this. Look at this. Here's the apostle Paul writing the church in Thessaloniki. And guess what? They were afraid that they had missed the day of the Lord. Okay, they had got this letter and crazy stuff going on. So the apostle Paul is writing them to encourage them. No, 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 you haven't missed the day of the Lord. Believe me, it's hard to miss, okay? And he's writing, he's gonna, he's gonna tell them a couple of things that they can expect to see first before the coming of the Lord is even like, like it's almost like, listen, don't even, you don't have to worry about that at all because remember, you're first gonna see this. This first has to happen. It's like if I'm at the Jags game and there's players on the field and I'm looking around and I'm like, man, did, 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 did I miss the kickoff? And someone's next to me says, no, because before the kickoff, we always have the fireworks. Don't worry, you're not gonna miss the kickoff. Okay, the fireworks have to happen first. So when you see or hear the fireworks, okay, you better get in your seat, get in your place. All right, look. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, the rapture, we ask you brothers not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or by a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Look, let no one deceive you in any way. Look. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Keep going, I'm gonna, okay, well, let, let's get to this. That just goes on to describe the antichrist. Do you not remember that when I was with you, I told you these things? How many of you believe if the apostle Paul preached it, we should preach it? How many of you believe if he was equipping the church with this that we should do like the apostle Paul? So watch this. I'm gonna get into this next time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already his work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. I'll show you what that is or the most consistent way to look at that. You can go back into Isaiah. You can find this almost exact language that gives you uh, context. But basically, go back to the, when that happens, when God takes his hand of restraint, the world's gonna be completely different. The veil. Go back to days of Noah. Go back to near the garden. You see all these things in Revelation. How are we gonna see all these angels? Do you understand the witnesses in Jerusalem that are calling down fire and doing all these incredible miracles? Do you understand when they finally, when God finally gives the, the Antichrist the power to kill them? Do you understand that the entire world has an Antichrist Christmas party? They exchange gifts. They have a, a parties about that. 
there's things being let out the pit, the veil is thin. It's a totally, so it's like this. It'd be like if I was trying to tell, if we're, it's like when we talk about like Adam and Eve in the early days of knowing people are living a thousand years old and portals are opening and this is happening. And do you see what I'm saying? We're like, what? We don't have a schema. We don't have a schema for this. So when we try to take the schema that we have and apply it to this, it's a disconnect. Is everybody following me? Okay, so, so, but this is what you need to know. Look, look, for that day will not come. He's talking to the church. He's talking about the rapture. It will not come until when? The rebellion and the man of lawlessness is revealed. That has to happen when? First. This is very consistent with Paul's language in the New Testament. When he links these two ideas together, he's giving you an order and they are connected, okay? So here's what that means, you ready? There's gonna be a great falling away from the truth and the antichrist being revealed, watch. It doesn't mean he's not already doing all kind of stuff and all kind of crazy, but it will be revealed in this way. That's when he is very clear, I'm God. I'm God. He's proven that to the world. He's probably solved all kind of world hunger by this time. He's brought in all kind of cosmic elements. There's the, the, he's, I'm God, and you're gonna worship my image. It's all about the image. It's all about whose image you're loyal to. If you wanna live through all these things, if you want immortality, then you're gonna have to take this. And I'll give you the immortality to make it through this battle that we're about to go through with this other God who's controlling and da 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 da. I'm telling you, that's, he's, gonna, he's gonna pitch Yahweh like that. It'll go back to the ancient Mesopotamian Canaanite view of Yahweh. Great warrior, but controlling and tries to keep people from knowledge. We're gonna see that. Do you see that? When that happens, fireworks are going off, alarm bell, get ready. He's using that to encourage this church of what to know is gonna happen and look for so you won't be worried that the rapture's already come. Do you see? So watch this. Prophetically, what does this look like? All right. Has God appointed us for wrath? No. First Thessalonians 5, 9. However, do believers go through tribulation? Yes. John 16, 33. Now look at Revelation eleven fifteen. my last scripture. Look at this. The seventh angel blew his trumpet. There's the trumpet. This is it. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. That right there, in my opinion, with the trumpets, with the timeline, is the starting point to how to process the end times backwards and forwards. Now, do you wanna know the good thing about this? Guess what this is before or right before? The bowls of wrath. How many of you can say amen to that? So watch this, if that happens, the whole world sees it and mourns. We're raptured. Now put up, put up Stovall's 
Rapture for Dummies 101 right here. Watch, I'm wrapping up. Watch this. Fall feast. It's a couple of weeks. Are you ready? Feast of trumpets. The last trumpet. Corinthians, he comes at the trumpet. Matthew comes at the trumpet. The trumpet, the trumpet, the trumpet. Feast of trumpets. Here comes the rapture. Jesus is coming for his church. That's it. The fullness of the Gentiles is in. I'll show you in, in what happens in, in October in my message. I'll show you when that happens. There's a great earthquake. And it says all these people in Jerusalem, all these Jews were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. It is the first judgment or thing that ever happens in that time frame where instead of people blaspheming God, they actually turn to God. Because the whole world's under a delusion. But this is different. I'll show you how I believe that's the corporate turning of Israel. Look, they're gonna mourn. The earth is terrified. Hide us, get in the caves, get in the dens of the earth, get underground and hide us from the wrath of the lamb. How did they know it was the wrath of the lamb if Jesus didn't prepare, appear in the sky and bring the church up with him? That was the sign. They're going into mourning. They're going into wailing. They're going into weeping and gnashing of teeth. Line up all the parables. The bridegroom, the door is shut. The door is shut. All it is is mourning now. The fullness of the Gentiles it is. It's just about Israel being saved at this point and the wrath of God. Think of the judgment on Egypt with the 10 plagues. It's just poured out day after day after day after day after day. It's the judgment of God on the world. And then Jesus comes back 10 days after that. On the day of atonement, the Yom Kippur, he comes with his church. That's they're gonna seem. Here comes the white horse. Here comes the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Here comes a two-edged sword out of his mouth. He's coming to judge. He's coming to make war. He is coming to end injustice, end oppression, end racism, end murder, end slavery, end wickedness, end evil. He's coming to bring righteousness, justice, and salvation for Israel. And we're with him. And then the real fun begins. Ruling and reigning with Christ for a thousand years. And we'll unpack that next time. Are y'all good? You got an outline? You got something to study? So watch. Do you see that? What I don't have up there. Do you see Yom Kippur and Feast of Tabernacles? And do you see Feast of Trumpets and, and the Day of Atonement? You see the 10 days of all? That's the bowls of wrath in the book of Revelation. We are raptured right before the bowls of wrath. But in my opinion, or the most consistent way to look at it theologically, the church and what we should be teaching our kids is we need to know that we're a people that faces adversity. And in this world, we have tribulation. And I believe it would be irresponsible and not consistent to deposit in our kids that when things get tough, God's gonna snatch you out of here. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and loving not their lives unto death.
I'll show you in the millennium, there's tons of people all over the world. They, all over the world, they, they won't be persecuted. They won't. There, there's, we're looking at Jerusalem in this thing. I'll get into that and how we enter in the millennium as resurrected saints and rule with Jesus for a thousand years as the earth is healed and begins to repopulate with normal flesh and blood humans, except it'll be a thousand years of peace. Satan will be bound. Don't worry, you can't sin again. You're done, you're good. You have your resurrected body. Let's be ready, church. Is that good? Father, I just come in Jesus' name. I wanna remind everyone, this is eschatology. It's intentionally cryptid. This is not major church doctrine. I'm giving you a schema of consistent theology with what scholars, specifically Christian and Hebrew scholars, how they study and make all of the consistent connections in the Old and New Testament. Father, I just thank you, Lord. Lord, today is a day of celebration. Lord, we thank you that we are your church. We are your bride. I just, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would, I mean, I can't think of a better message. Man, if you're not right with God, if you're not sure that you've given your loyalty to Jesus and surrendered your life to him at all of our locations, if you need to do that, I want you to raise a hand right now before we dismiss. I want you to raise it. Come on, raise it high. Don't be ashamed. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me and my words, I'll be ashamed of you when I come. So if you need to give loyalty to Jesus, if you're not surrendered to Jesus, if, you, if, you, if you're not sure you've been born again, all your sins are forgiven, come on. I want you in the rapture. I want you on the right side of judgment. I want you with Jesus. If that's you, raise a hand right now, wherever you are. Yes, 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 yes. Here's what I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask all of us to stand right now. Worship team, come out. I'm gonna ask no one leave. Church, can I lead us in a prayer right now? We have people that are giving their lives to Jesus, surrendering to Jesus. And after this prayer, listen, we're gonna open up. Are you gonna come open up for extended ministry time? Okay, Tark, just come on up here and get ready. Because the people that are, are surrendering, getting born again, make sure that they get over here to talk to some pastors, okay? Church, say this with me. And if you raised your hand, say it as well. Let's make this a declaration as we go. Say this, say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Lord, I repent and I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for everlasting life. Lord, I thank you that I'm not appointed under wrath, but salvation. I thank you that I'm forgiven, that I'm protected, that I'm saved. And Lord, I'm your witness and I'm loyal to you through peace, through adversity, through hardship, through persecution, through the good times and the difficult. I'm loyal to you and I thank you that one day this is all gonna end and we're gonna be with you in peace forever and ever and ever. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Come on, give God a big, big hand clap.
Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org. 